morning, Southfield. Would you please stand as we sing together this morning? Your redeeming love and how great. 
Well, welcome this morning to Southfield. We're glad to be worshiping with you today. I hope you enjoyed that extra hour of whatever you enjoyed, whether it's sleep or life or fun or whatever it was. But it's good to be here with you. And and I don't know how you feel, but I feel a little more awake than I usually do. So it's good. Too bad we couldn't have an extra hour every week, but then I know we'd yeah get messed up somewhere around the li- down the line. Well, you've come to a great place today, and it's it's awesome to be in God's presence, to be able to just to let go, and His presence is just beautiful. To be able to just sit in His presence, dwell in His presence, and just take in the love that He has for us. And this morning, that's what I just want to. I kind of want to focus on that love and just the beauty of the love that God has for us. That while we were still sinners, while we were sinners, not not when we cleaned ourselves up, but while we were sinners, God sent his son to die for us. And so that's why we're just kind of going to sing about that a little bit this morning. Just the, the sacrifice that he made for us before we had accepted him, before we were all cleaned up, before we were perfect. Because we will never be perfect until we're coming into his presence. And so this morning, we're just going to just sing in that and just celebrate that and just be able to absorb and embrace the beauty of it.
us to the cross, Father, where your love poured out. Lord, help us to understand the love that you have for us. Or even if we just, if we can't understand the amount of love you have for us, let us understand that you love us, God. Because if we can't understand and embrace that, Lord, it's hard to trust the other promises that you have for us. So speak to our hearts today and help us to, to grasp that love. out. Yeah, he loves us. Yeah, he loves us.
just the voices. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. One more time. feel for you to hear that truth spoken from our lips, Lord, that we can speak that truth that you love us and we know that and we embrace that love, God, because without that love, it's impossible, Lord, for us to walk the next step with you without knowing and being convinced of that love, Lord, why pursue a relationship? So Lord, we thank you for that and Lord, help it to just sink in and root in our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Very good to see you. Nice and rested. Extra hour. Woo! Feeling good? Want to do some jumping jacks? We could do an aerobic thing right now. Let's go. I'm like so pumped. Like I had 17 coffees. This is great. So you got your bulletin. We're going to talk really fast today just to keep up. We got your bulletin this morning as you came in. There's a card on the inside and I want you to flip it over and look on the back because on the back I got some things I want you to answer, Okay. Here's the thing. I want to find out whether or not you've been listening for the last few weeks or if you just kind of took a nice nap, which isn't all bad. Naps are good. But anyway, the first question that I want to ask you is this. All this day of stopping talk has me thinking. You know, yeah, you don't have to have done anything, but you're like, yeah, I'm thinking. Okay, so if that's true, check that off. The second one is, um, you know, we, and that we may be the royal we, as in you talk to yourself, or um, your family's been talking. We've talked about making some specific changes in light of what we've been learning. If that's true, check that off. For some of you, it's already moved beyond talk. I've heard a few of you talking about things you're doing. So we've made some specific changes in light of what we're talking about. Had somebody last week who uh, locked the home office door, refused to go in. Gave them the shakes like they didn't have enough caffeine, but, you know, they did it. Uh, family who decided, hey, we're just going out to eat and we're leaving the tech in the car. And they actually discovered that they all have whites in their eyes and things like that. That was very cool. So um, another family that, that's lighting a candle every Sabbath day. That's their part of their, hey, this reminds us, today's our day. Cool stuff. Then the last one is, the most challenging th- thing for me is, now this is related to the Sabbath, not, you know, trying to run a marathon or something like that. Um, the most challenging thing for me about a day of stopping, and there's some space there, and if you want to go ahead and put it in the prayer request area, we'll be able to distinguish between a prayer request and your answer. So, but I'm just curious to know, We've been talking about this enough weeks now that it should be starting to seep in a little bit. And you're starting to see that there are changes that need to happen. Maybe you've been trying some changes. Maybe you're coming up against a brick wall and you're just saying, I don't know how to make this piece work. So little progress report. Now, on the other side, make sure you put your name, unless the answers are embarrassing, and then just put Lorraine Seaman. All right? <laughs> so anyway, how you doing, Lorraine? Good to have you here today. Thank you. So our kids, kids have a way of giving us some of the best memories of our lives. 
And, and sometimes they happen, they happen uh, when they're absolutely unexpected. It's not like the kid tried to give us a funny moment. It just happened, and you go, whoa, that was, that was great. So I remember this moment as clear as day. We were on a family vacation in Wisconsin, and this conference center, we say, it has a golf course. Now, early on when we went there, my kids didn't care about that. It was just a lot of grass, and they'd get down to where they wanted to go to, the beach and all that sort of thing. But there came a point one summer that Brian kind of woke up and said, hey, golf, golf, good idea. I like golf. I, I want to try that. And, you know, f- Brian's one of those guys that from the start, he was, he was pretty good. If it involves a ball and something to swing, he, he connects. It goes, he did not get that gene from daddy. Da- I, way, way back. Oh, my goodness. Second year I was here, they had me get on the church softball team. I was never asked again. My best hit, I swung with all my might. I'm not kidding. Boom, it plopped right in the pound of the plate. At least I'm fast. I got to first. But anyway, uh, yeah, not, not my gift. So we're out in this course. With our, we're with our friend Ben. Some of you know Ben Mott. Used to go here. He's now the president of that conference center. And um, Ben's a transplant. He didn't grow up here. He grew up in England. So he's still got a, a, a non-Wisconsin accent. And uh, we're out golfing, and, and when we'd be out golfing, at this point, Brian was still tentative in terms of which club he should use. And, and so he'd ask Ben, you know, should I use a, a one or a three? Should I use a wood? Should I use an iron? You know the drill if you're a golfer. So he goes through and asks these things. And we got to this one hole, and, and it's a little bit confusing as to what he should use. And so, and so he asked Ben, what do you think? And, and Ben turns to him in this unmistakably British accent and says, Well, it depends upon which you fancy. <laughs> and Brian, I'm not kidding, in the moment, he kind of, the eyebrow goes up, <laughs> the head tilts and kind of goes back, and he steps back about two paces. He's like, What in the world are you talking about this fancy stuff? He just, it was his, what are you, a freak face? I mean, he was, he didn't know what to do with them. I I, I don't think I stopped laughing for three days. And every once in a while, I still pull it up and, and laugh once again. You know, obviously, fancy for Ben meant prefer. Fancy for Brian meant weirdo. You don't say that on the golf course. I mean, it's just not a word we use. For me, I was born into this blue-collar family. I mean, dark blue denim-collar family. We're very blue-collar, and there were certain words that, that you just didn't use unless you wanted to get mocked or beat up. It's just the way it was. So um, fancy, yeah, fancy fell into that category. Other words I would not have used as a kid were words like scrumptious, adorable and smashing. Those, those would have got me in a bit of trouble. And there's one other one, delightful. I mean, if I'd have said that's delightful, my friends would have thought aliens came in night, invaded my body. Delightful was not on the, on the word list of things we said. Now, having said that, you find the word delight all over the Bible. And, and the word delight is used by one of the Bible's greatest dudes. I mean, King David was not afraid of a battle. Here's a guy who had killed lions and bears with his bare hands. He took on a giant three feet taller than him who was better equipped, more skilled at warfare. And and I mean, he had no problem going in. Those of you that think you're tough because you've mastered Call of Duty, uh, (laughs) David makes you look like an uber wimp, okay? I mean, he he was tough. So... This man who loved to fight 
also loved the word delight. And he uses it all over the Bible. In Psalm 37, this is probably one of the most common verses, the one we know well. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you just enjoy God, he's going to shift your desires to match his. Throughout the Psalms, he talks about delighting in God's presence, in God's law, in his word, in his commands, in his statutes. He goes on and on about delighting in God. And you know what's interesting? He also makes clear that delighting is a two-way street. It's not just a matter of David delighting in God, but he actually says, God delights in me. God delights in us. So you get to Psalm 18, verse 19, and he says, He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. He says, God actually looks and says, My kid, oh man, you just, ah, I love you so much. David tells us that God is not only delightful, but that God is a delighter. He delights in his children. You go, for example, to Psalm 37, 23. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Think about that. There isn't a thing about your life that God doesn't go, so cool. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Oh, that's so, wow. Psalm 147, 11 says, no, the Lord delights in those who fear him. Who, for those who put their hope in his unfailing love. And Psalm 149, verse 4 says, For the Lord delights in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. This delighting is a two-way street. We delight in God, and God delights in us. It reminds me of 1 John 4, 19. It says, We loved him because he first loved us. We delight because God is the one who delighted first. Now, now you might ask, you know, why, why is that fact important? Why does that matter? Well, we've already talked about the idea that doing a day of stopping is a reflection of the image of God. God rested, so we rested. Well, this idea of delighting, once again, we see a glimmer, just a glimmer of the image of God in us. We didn't invent delighting. It wasn't our idea. God is the one that delights, and we reflect that part of his character. Why do we delight? Because his image is stamped on our hearts. We delight because we're like our father. And by that, I don't just mean people who follow Jesus. Literally every human being has the image of God stamped on them. It's present in them. It's there. I'm participating in a course with a, with a group of Southfielders right now on Sunday nights. And it's one that we hope to introduce to the whole church next year. It's called uh, Transformation of the Heart. In the course, they use an analogy that I think is helpful in understanding how we see people. It's an analogy of a set of glasses. And these glasses, just like any set of glasses, have two different lenses. We wear these glasses all the time. And these two different lenses, we use them to look at people all the time, the way we see them. So through one of the lenses, as I look at another human being, I see their dignity. I see the dignity of another human being. Because every human, every member of the human race was created in the image of God. That is what gives every person intrinsic value and worth. It's not what you do. 
It's not what you have. It's not what you've done wrong that takes away your worth. Everything about you, the worth that you have, your value, is based on the fact that God's likeness is stamped on us. That applies to all of us, whether we embrace God fully or we're adamant atheists. It doesn't matter. God's image is stamped on all of us. There's another lens in this pair of glasses, and that's the lens of depravity. When we look at a human being, we not only see that their image... They're made in the image of God, but we also see that they're marred by sin. Every human has been marred, flawed by sin. Now, I got to admit, too often we close the depravity eye or the, 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 the dignity eye and just see people for their depravity. We just see what they do wrong. We just see the area that they need to get straightened out. And we miss the fact that there's actually dignity and worth in every human being. So... Our job for those who are bringing people back into a friendship with God is not just to point out their depravity. It's not just to tell them what they're doing wrong, but to get them in touch with their true source of dignity. Get them in touch once again with the fact that they're created in the image of God. So every person has the capacity to love, to be generous, to care, and even to delight. And all of that is a sampling of the fact that that person, no matter where they are, has been created in the image of God, though that image has been marred. But even though it's been marred, it was never completely lost. It's always been there. You see, we delight because he delights. So when you have that sensation inside, it's not something humans invented. It's actually a reflection of God, your Father. We delight in him because he first delighted in us. God is not just delightful. God is a delighter. So why all this talk about delighting? What's the big deal here? Am I just stuck on this word because I got an extra hour of sleep? No. It's because delighting is the third of the four things that we need to do on our day of stopping. Taking the time to experience deep enjoyment. That's a huge piece of enjoying a real Sabbath. So we've got to ask the question... What then, what then does it mean to delight? I mean, what, what does that word actually mean? I don't want to assume that we all understand the depths of this word. So let's rip it apart. One aspect of delight is to simply, to simply enjoy something deeply. I mean, there are times that you kind of, you have, maybe you eat something, you go, that was all right. And there are times that you start eating, you're like, oh my word. I have never had anything like this in my life. This is fantastic. And you're going on and on to the point that everybody at the table is like, all right, chill. What's your deal? Calm down. You are enjoying this so deeply that you're, you're delighting in it. It's just, it's amazing. It's wonderful. And, and you just, it overwhelms you. There's overwhelming satisfaction. So, so if I delight, I enjoy it deeply. I mean, the opposite would be to be disappointed. Eh, that was a ripoff. Shoot. Too bad I paid for. No, I delight. I delight in it. Delighting also carries the idea of overwhelming pleasure. You just find intense pleasure in whatever the object is. With this kind of delight, my senses are heightened. I'm aware of all the little details. I I take a taste, and it's like nothing I've ever tasted before. It's so amazing. Uh, You know that at the beginning of the summer, we spent two weeks in Montana. And I got to admit, every day I found myself breathless. And it wasn't just because of the altitude. 
I mean, everywhere you turned. I'd see a dumpster and I'd be like, their dumpsters are so much nicer than ours. (laughs) Everything was so beautiful. It was so incredible. So one morning we we decided, Shelly and Nate and I drove down to see the Grand Tetons. And, you know, I'm honestly, I'm driving there. I'm going, mountain, schmountain. I mean, there are mountains everywhere. How can these mountains be that much better than any other mountain I've ever seen? And as we drew closer, I, I was stunned. We got out of the car. And I'm standing there staring at these things. And I said, how can these mountains be better than every other mountain I've ever seen? I mean, my mouth was open. I could, I'm like, I will never see anything better than this. And then moments later, we're driving down the road and there's a grizzly bear on the side of the road. I'm like, okay, that's better. I mean, it's just, it was, it was wild. It was so wild. It was overwhelmingly pleasing. Just that's delight. When you're overtaken by deep pleasure, when you just go, wow, ah, oh, that's amazing. The dictionary keeps it simple. It says to delight is to to please someone greatly or find pleasure in something or someone. So if, if I delight in you, you're a source of personal pleasure. If you delight in me, you're pleased with me, overwhelmingly pleased. There's another aspect of delighting. Delighting drinks in details. Now, when I think of drinking in details, I can't help but think of the first few weeks of each of my kids' life. I just, I go back to that moment that, have you ever seen a fingertip that small? I mean, just look at that fingertip and you're like, oh, you look at your own and you're going, there ain't no way mine was that small. Nope. Or the little feet. They're so tiny and so, and the smell on their neck after a nap. It's just the best smell in the world, and you notice it. You, you hear the slightest noise in the, in the middle of the night, and you're, what's that? What's that? You know, you're, you're, you're into that. And, and after a bit, when you've done this parenting thing for a bit, you start to recognize the different tones of crying. The, the I'm tired crying, or the Brian's picking on me again cry. All the different variations of cry, you listen to them. When I'm delighting, I see, I hear, I experience it all. I drink it all in. Every minute detail, I catch it all. So this Sabbath, this day of stopping, one of our, if you want to call it that, assignments for the day is to delight. It's a day that God wants to say, all week long, you've been racing by everything. You've been driving 65, and you've been missing the cool stuff on the side of the road. This day, you're going to slow down long enough to actually enjoy all the stuff you miss all the time. So on this day, we choose to enjoy deeply. We choose to be overwhelmingly pleased, and we stop to notice, zeroing in by zooming in on the details that we miss during the week. So how does it happen? How do we delight? Well, it's got to start with slowing. It's hard to experience delight. Not impossible, but it's hard to experience delight when you're in hyperdrive. And, and why I say not always, if you're into roller coasters, you get a degree of delight. I get that. that. That kind of speed is fun. But for the most part, you know the kind of speed I'm talking about. Life in the fast lane. You're just going and going and going. You go to bed to get up, to do it all over again, and you're just going. And because of that, you're missing the stuff of life. So, so a big piece of this day, and I love what I'm hearing from some of you. Some of you are saying, we're choosing to take this day slower. 
We're eliminating some of the things we used to do. We're, we're downsizing the schedule on our day of stopping so we can go slow enough to actually enjoy the day. So it starts with slowing. Then beyond slowing, step back. We need to just take a step back. Delighting, delighting drinks in the big picture. I'm not sure if you're into art, but it's difficult to appreciate a beautiful work of art with your nose six inches away from it. You can't catch what the subject is. You miss some of the colors. You miss the details. You got to stand back. You got to stand back and just kind of literally get the big picture. See what's going on. And so part of my slowing is to step back far enough to what's, from what's going on in normal life to be able to enjoy the whole picture, to see everything. Step back and let it soak in. This is part of the reason I think it's important that your day of slowing is a day that's free from technology. Because especially this technology has us like this all the time. We're like this. We're missing everything because, because our face is in the screen. And we've got to get our eyes off the screen. And a few of you have been trying this, and I'm glad you're doing it. Finally telling work, I'm not a slave. I give you six days, but one day is mine. One day belongs to God, and this is going over here. Part of stepping back is pulling away from all that technology that just has us staring at a screen instead of looking at each other. Now, so once we've absorbed the big picture and we've stepped back, there is this other side now where we lean in, we, we draw closer, we zero in on the details. That same work of art, once you've appreciated it back here, it is kind of cool to get up six inches away and to look at, at the brush strokes, to check out the details of the color, to see the way the image is composed. My brother is uh, decent with art. He's pretty good. And way back, he saw a picture in the Buffalo Evening News of three girls on a, on, a, on a buffalo afternoon, blustery buffalo afternoon, standing at a bus stop. And their hair was just flying sideways. And it was going crazy. It was out there. And he took that image from the newspaper and he drew it. And it, I mean, it was an amazing, beautiful picture. And it wasn't that big that you had to stand six feet away from it to enjoy it. But here was the cool part. When you did bring it up here, you realize that every part of that image was created with dots. The whole image was just dots. Not one line, not one stroke. It was all dots. And so on this day, we slow down long enough to step back and get the big picture. And then every once in a while, we just zero in on a detail. We see something up close and we, and we enjoy it. We delight in it even more than we would have before. Our problem, quite frankly, is that our culture is delight depraved. Deprived. Deprived. We're not depraved. Well, we're depraved too. <laughs> delight deprived. We, we, we were missing out because we're speeding and multitasking. We're texting, Facebooking, tweeting, foursquaring, twittering. All this stuff is going on all the time. And we're not taking the time to slow down, step back, enjoy zero in, see up close. We seldom go slow enough to notice. It's life off to the races. So to delight, we have to make a huge adjustment. We have to slow down. If you feel like you have no delight going on in your life, it is probably because you're just plain going too fast. 
One of the things that I would do on this day is just de-hurry your life. De-hurry it. That'll mean intentionally slowing. And it will mean descheduling, making some choices. No is a good word to use on your day of stopping. It's not a bad thing to say no in order to slow down. Don't accept back-to-back-to-back-to-back obligations on your day of stopping and expect to experience delight. It's probably not going to happen. So you you need to de-hurry. And a piece of de-hurrying that might be really practical, try this. Just try walking instead of driving. Now, I know, like for you, if you live in Joliet, don't walk to church, okay? You'll be exhausted and we don't have oxygen. But anyway, you might want to just try a little bit of that day, something that you normally drive, try walking it instead. Get out of the car and just, you know, walk in a place that you don't normally walk and enjoy the view. See the things that you miss all the time because you're racing, because you're going, because, because your eyes are on the stripes in the road and the bumper in front of you. Find some time to walk, not to jog, not to run, but time for a leisurely stroll. Again, a word dudes don't use, but anyway. All right, so let me shift a bit. On our day of stopping... What are potential objects of delight? What are some of the things that we could just, we could just zero in on and we, could, and we could enjoy, we could really drink in? I, this list is going to vary. And it's going to vary based on personality and taste. And there's nothing wrong with that. Frankly, there are things that bring me great pleasure that you go, really? Yeah, you're strange. And there are things that bring you intense enjoyment that I go, well, that kind of bores me. Because we have different personalities. We have different tastes. It varies from person to person. So I'm going to suggest some things. It's not an exhaustive list, and it's not even a compulsory list. I'm not saying you've got to do what I do. But I'm going to give you some ideas of the things that bring me delight. And it would not surprise you that I'm going to start with nature. Uh, For me... This is an aha day. It's a day to just, this fall day is beautiful. And if you haven't noticed this year, I don't know what it is about the red maples, but they are just, there is an intensity in their red this year that I have not seen in years. If you live near my subdivision, take the long loop around on the way home, and you're just going to see all these intensely beautiful colors, and you better enjoy them while you can, because pretty soon gray is coming. So enjoy the colors. Just take these moments in this fall to enjoy a beautiful fall day. Slow down. Pay attention to creation. Truly every season has an aspect of incredible beauty. David said, the heavens declare the glory of God. So take the time to listen. To listen to the heavens and hear what God has to say. My hope... um, My hope is that you will actually take some time to just delight in what God has created. You know, a couple weeks ago, we were were clearing these trees on the property. And one one of the things I hope to do in the backside of that property is to create some spaces where we can go and just delight in what you do not normally see. So we're taking some of the logs to the back of the property. And as we're doing this, I hear this. Okay, listen to this. Anybody, I mean, have you heard that sound before? I'm hearing that sound out there. I'm going, uh, either it's something cool or I'm about to die. 
I don't know what that is. And I went back and got some more wood, and I came back, and it did it again. And I'm like, this is strange. And then out of the clear blue, out of the grass, this male pheasant, just up and off. And I'm like, that is so cool. That is... Now, I'm dog tired. I mean, I got home that day, and I realized I had been wiping my face all day with the, the soot from the fire. I mean, I was just, I was a mess. I was exhausted. And I'm just standing there going, that is the coolest thing. That's what you need. You need those moments that you go, wow. I mean, you're out there praying at the chairs, and a deer walks 20 feet away from you. And you go, well, he could kill me, but this is still cool. This is still very cool. You know, we're at that camp out that one night, and we had the telescope out there. And it's, the, it's just the most amazing thing to have a person look at the moon through a telescope for the first time. You have looked at that thing thousands of times in your life. Look at it through a telescope. The details are phenomenal. And, and young and old, they put their eye down and they go, oh, my word. And it was like they thought I had a picture up there, like I was faking or something. Looking, at it, I still remember the first time I looked through a telescope and I could see the ring around Saturn. And I can still remember the first time I looked at Jupiter and you could actually see just a few of its moons around it. To be able to take the time to just stare at a piece of nature like that, it's, it's amazing. Now, for some of you, nature is not your cup of tea. So let's talk tea. Actually, let's talk food. Food is an incredible source of delight. I mean, my goodness, on this day, take some time to enjoy, to savor the gift of food. Make a special meal, something you don't make any other day of the week. Make something that's just out of this world cool. I mean, you're just like, oh, and and try for a change, not only to have that different meal, but have it in a different setting. We have one of those houses where we bought a dining room with our house. The unused room of the house. I still wonder why we don't make it into a gym or something. Well, then it wouldn't be used either. But I mean, so (laughs) you got this dining room table. Take the food in there. Sit down at that table that's 100 years old and just sit there and enjoy that food. Chew it slowly. Taste your food for a change. There's actually this between your teeth and this. There's an arrow right here. And... And that's where taste happens. I mean, some of you taste happens later. No, not that. Enjoy it here. Enjoy it here. Take the time to chew your food slowly. And then when the meal is done, don't get up. Don't just race away. Sit there for a while. It's a good day for dessert, too. And there are tons of great desserts. If you don't do dessert any other day, delight in dessert. Just enjoy, enjoy some really good food. Linger at the table. And while you're lingering at the table, enjoy the people you're with, which brings us to the next one. Delight in family and friends. I saw this this past week on Facebook. It was kind of funny. I don't know if you feel this way. Friends are God's way of apologizing for your relatives. That was kind of fun. My family tree has some twisted roots. Yeah. Anyway. uh, What a great day to just enjoy people. And, and, you know, it was the second service last week that we were asking for ideas of other things that you can take a rest from. And one person said, I need a rest from needy people. You know, it might be a good day to just say, the only people I'm going to surround myself with today are the people who don't need stuff. And you're going, oh, I got a two-year-old. Ah, let them go live somewhere else for the day. You know, that's what grandma's for. I don't know, but just... 
enjoy some other people deeply. That's, that's why we're here, right? And, and I know sometimes in the, in the Porta situation, oh, we're racing to get the table down and get the chair up and all this sort of thing. Make sure you take the time to enjoy someone. I, I love this line. Be prayerfully present to people. Just be prayerfully present to people. Stop long enough to engage in the conversation instead of the, hey, hey, hey. Stop long enough to actually see that they have whites in their eyes and to look in their eye and to talk. And when you say, how you doing? To wait long enough to hear the answer and to look at the face and find out, is the message fine the same as the message you're reading here? And probe a little deeper. Take the time to delight, to delight in a person. Uh, it might be a day you don't get the chance to look at somebody in the eye, but it's the great day to uh, make the long-distance phone call or to Skype someone that you don't get to see very often and just enjoy their presence. So all of these sources, whether it's nature, food, family, friends, you could probably come up with your own list. All of these created objects lead us to the ultimate source of delight, which is God. It's not just delighting for the sake of delighting. It's not just enjoying food for the sake of enjoying food. It's so that when the meal is done, you really mean the prayer you said at the beginning. You know, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the food in Jesus' name. Amen. This is going, wow, God, thank you, really. That was great food. Um, David said in Psalm 27, The one thing I ask of the Lord and I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. His perfections are his attributes. So he's just sitting there saying, God is wise, God is good, God is loving. And he's going through these and it's, he, he steps back and looks and then he draws in and he's slow enough to enjoy everything God is about. This passage, we've seen it more than once from Isaiah. Keep the Sabbath day. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath. And speak of it, how? With delight as the Lord's day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the line. Then the Lord will be your delight. Why is God not the delight of many of us? Because we never take a day to slow down long enough to enjoy Him. We need to just stop, stop, and enjoy the Lord our God. Delight in Him. I want to add a nuance or a twist to the word that we've been talking about today, this word delight. Delighting is to enjoy deeply, to take pleasure in, to notice the details and be struck with awe. I was in a small group sometime last year, and we were talking about this word delight. And, and I was trying to explain what does it mean to delight. And I was thinking in terms of, you know, it's about loving God. And then the more we talked, it hit me. Delighting isn't just about loving God. Delighting is loving, loving God. It's actually loving being in love with God. Now, now for many in this room, this will be a memory stretcher. For others, you're right in the middle of this. Do you remember the first time you were infatuated with the person you're with now? I mean, infatuation that you just want to call me. This person is so great. I mean, you were just like, you were, you, were, you were not quite in love yet, but you were getting close. The relationship is humming along. I mean, it's going great. You disagreed on nothing. You, you both had everything in common. This is amazing. And you did silly little things together that you would never admit now. You, you remember that, right? In the middle of, of say, when, um, when he or she was, was far away on, the day, on a day, you're, you're in the middle of that day. Did you find yourself out of the clear blue just having this 
cheesy old grin comes sweeping across your face. You're just like sitting there smiling. You go, why am I smiling? And you went, I know I'm smiling. I'm in love. And I love being in love. It feels so good to be in love. That's delight. Delighting in God isn't just loving God. Delighting in God is loving, loving God. It's not just enjoying God. It's enjoying the fact that I enjoy God. I'm, I'm just so into him. I notice every detail. I love him with all of my heart. So if you're intentional on this day of stopping and you start delighting, something's going to start to happen to you that's going to surprise you. But it's great. What you're going to know, notice is that if you choose to delight on one day, it's going to start to seep over into the other days too. Look at this quote by a man named Jürgen Moltmann. He says, The celebration of the Sabbath leads us to an intensified capacity for perceiving the loveliness of everything, of food, of clothing, the body and soul, because existence itself is glorious. It's a day to just enjoy the fact that you're alive. Being wholly present in the presence of God, that's what, that's what a day of stopping is all about. Being wholly present in the presence of God, sanctifying the Sabbath means being entirely free from the striving for happiness and from the will for performance and achievement. For many of us, delighting is going to start as a discipline. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to try. It does not come naturally to you to say, that tasted really good. It just doesn't come naturally to you to enjoy something. And so it's going to be a bit of a discipline. But the cool thing about it is if we develop the discipline of delighting on our day of stopping, it becomes reflexive. It becomes second nature the rest of the week. It starts to bleed over. So find a day of the week to stop long enough to delight. To just delight. Now, your assignment. Get out your folder. And you have the notes there. And I've given this to you so you don't even have to do any writing. There are a couple of verses there, a couple of them we've talked about today, about delighting. I want you to spend some time looking at those verses and letting that soak into your heart. And then from there, you have some questions. Question one is, what objects, people, and experiences lead me to the source of delight, God himself? Now, there may be things you enjoy, you delight in them, but they don't necessarily make you think about God. In fact, they draw you away from God. The idea of delighting on the day of stopping is that it brings me closer to God. So the the delight I'm experiencing draws me to delight in God himself. What objects, people, and experiences lead me to the source of delight, to God himself? And then some follow-ups. Does this draw me closer to God or away from him? Does this make me think about God or distract me from him? Does this help me to love loving God? You're going to spend some time this week thinking about what you find delightful. Because if you take the time to delight before you know it, you're going to find yourself just loving the fact that you're in love with God. And we all need that. We all need to love loving God more. Not just love God more, but we need to love loving God more. Let's talk to him right now. God, we are in love with you, and we are in love with being in love with you. And we love you and love loving you because you loved us first. And I pray that that would give us a source of of joy and satisfaction today that too many of us just don't experience very often.
God, I pray today that we would find ourselves looking at, at this bread and cup in our hands and saying, why? Why did you do this to, for me? And feeling moved by that. That we would see the beauty of, a, of a, a blazing red maple tree today and say, God, how did you do that? You're, you're so incredible that we would, in every detail, whether it's just looking at our child today or seeing the, our, the eyes of our spouse, that in them we would see you and we would delight in you more because we're delighting in the things and the people that you've created. Help us, God, to enjoy you deeply. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we get to enjoy communion. Bread and cup are coming your way. And uh, Dana's going to be leading us a new song. A song that is just, I think, going to enhance even more the devotion and the delight that you have in the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. I go before you now. I stand beside you. I'm all around you. Though you feel I'm far away, I'm closer than your breath. I am with you more than you know. I am the Lord, your peace. No evil will conquer you. Steady now your heart and mind Come into my rest Oh, let your faith arise Lift up your weary head I am with you Wherever you go
Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving your life for us. Thank you for being the one God that we can come to when we need rest. So many of us are just exhausted because we've not allowed ourselves yet to just fall into your arms and say, I need a good nap. Help us to find rest in you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Servers are going to be coming in a moment and collecting the offering. Make sure you put your card in there. One more thing about delighting, and that is that I think for a lot of us, to be honest, we're, if, our, if we were to ask our friends what they think of us, they'd say, you know what, he's kind of a chronic complainer, whines a lot, gripes. Wouldn't it be cool if you were marked as a chronic delighter? Wow, that person just like appreciates everything. I mean, you ever been around them at a meal? Oh my word, they think it's the best meal they ever had. That's what God wants us to move toward, being chronic delighters. Um, We're in this 11 weeks where we're preparing for this offering that we're going to be collecting on December 8th. And uh, my goodness, we're down to, you know, like four weeks to go. The time's passing. We've been praying about what God would have us to do. Um, There's a concept out there called spiritual formation. And spiritual formation is basically letting God use the circumstances of our life to, to make us more like Jesus. It's being formed into the image of God. You see, I think for most of us, we think we do things to form ourselves into the image of Christ. We work hard. We memorize the verses. We read the Bible. We pray. We do good things. And the more that we do, we become like Jesus. But, but the concept really is being formed into the image of God. Or in other words, into the image of Christ. Or in other words... It's something God is doing in us. And very often the thing that forms us into Christ's image is something that we would not have opted for. We wouldn't have voted and said, give me three of those. No, we want, we want the nice circumstances in life. We, we, we like to avoid the rougher circumstances. So as you've been going through the 11 week, these 11 weeks and you've been praying about what can I give, you may have had something happen that's similar to what's happened in my life and some of my friends. That... Um, here you are trying to make this commitment to do something great for God. And uh, we had a car problem that took $1,500 from our checking account. And you're like, it been nice to give that to church. Boom, gone. And other little things that have been kind of little vampires on our wallet and, and sucking away dollar bills. This past week, uh, Lorraine Seaman, I was talking to her and, you know, the, the school where she works, enrollment has shrunk just enough that they're saying to all the administrators, you're going to take a furlough one day a week. There's someone who's committed to, you know, I want to be a part of this. Now she's being told one day a week you won't be working. That's one day of income that's gone. And then the day after what happens, her coffee pot breaks. Now, I don't know about you. There's like, you know, losing a day's work. And then there's bad stuff. Your coffee pot breaks. I mean, how are you supposed to get through life without the caffeine, man? And it, it, it feels that way sometimes. Like, you know, I'm laying on the ground and now you give me a boot in the head. Thanks so much. And it'd be easy in that moment to say, well, I guess the message here is God is saying, I just can't do anything. No, the message here is in confusing times, we learn how to trust God more. We don't need to trust God if everything makes sense. I know that sounds like a weird thing for me to say. But if you all got it all figured out, why do you need to trust God? We need to trust God when we're going, I don't get it. It doesn't, why did this happen now? 
that's the point at which we really take that step out. So I don't know where you are in the process, but I suspect, given the fact that there is an enemy of our souls who loves to mess with us, and there's a God in heaven who loves to use tough experiences to grow us like himself, it is possible here at week seven that you're kind of going, man, so much bad's happened, I don't know what I can do. And the whole issue in the first place wasn't what we can do, it's what God's going to do through us. And so I hope that you're not experiencing too many tough times, but you're honestly experiencing just enough that it causes you to have to trust God rather than just doing what you could have done in the first place. Let's stand together and we're going to pray. Now, Father, as we leave this day, open our eyes wide enough to see the things around us. Slow us down enough to be able to appreciate them. Help us to look into the eyes of our spouse like we haven't in a long, long time. Help us to hear the the scream of our child and actually smile instead of being miserable. Help us to, um, to just find details in this day that bring us the greatest, just the greatest source of pleasure. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. It was cool the other night, trick-or-treating. I don't go collect candy anymore. Um, <laughs> I love being the candy passer. And I'm telling you what, it was the coolest thing the other night. We got to the end. We, we, we had a lot of kids, even though the monsoon was happening. And so I had to dig into the, the stash of Hershey Kisses at the house. And this little three-year-old comes up. And I hold the thing down and he goes, Oh, Hershey Kisses, those are my favorite. Can I have more? And boom, fist goes down and boom, into the bucket. And I'm just like, that's delight. That's delight. And you know what? It made me delight. All night long, I was smiling because of that kid. That's what it means. Dig into the bucket of kisses today and go, I want more. Have a great day. Smile.
Just like.